Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Through education, motivation, and implementation, we will bridge the gap between knowing and doing so we can master fat loss naturally and help you reach your highest potential. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton, and this is part two of our listener question and answer series. If you have not yet listened to episode 407, that is a good one. We talk about a ton of different stuff. We talked about parenting, about my advice to a woman in menopause who wants to lose 20 pounds, veganism and fat loss breakfast options, my tiny house process. So much good stuff. Definitely check out 407 if you haven't yet. And if you have questions you'd like me to answer, head on over to the show notes at primalpotential.com. Go to the page for this episode, 408, and comment on the show notes with whatever your question is. And I will do another one of these episodes within the next few weeks. Before we get into today's questions, and we're going to be starting with fitness and workout questions and then branching out from there to talk about fat loss, mindset, all that good stuff as well as my aspirations for Primal Potential in the future. Wanted to give you guys a quick heads up about a new recipe on the Primal Potential blog. Most of you guys know I blog every day, Monday through Friday, sharing my thoughts as well as my daily workouts Monday through Friday and what I eat. And Friday, I shared with you guys that I fell in love with a little recipe I created, an amazing fall coffee recipe blending black coffee with coconut butter. I like the Artisana brand from Thrive Market. And then I also added some cinnamon, some MCT oil. Stevia is optional. So you can check out that recipe over on primalpotential.com forward slash blog. I love the coconut butter. This I don't often blend it with coffee, but it was so good. It gave it like a creamy latte kind of vibe. So good. And the thing about coconut butter versus coconut oil is because it blends the meat of the coconut, it's sweeter. And so you almost don't need any sweetener. I added some. It was my first time. I probably won't add stevia next time. I'll just do the coconut butter. That was absolutely sweet enough. But if you want to try out that coconut butter, I really love the Artisana brand. You can get it in a jar or you can get it in travel packets. I get mine through Thrive Market. It's the cheapest there. And if you go through thrivemarket.com forward slash primal potential, you will save an additional 25% on your first order and get free shipping on that first order, plus a free 30-day trial membership. Let's get started with the questions we're going to tackle for today's episode, the first few being related to working out and fitness. The first question is, how did you start incorporating more movement and then working out into your habits? What did your fitness journey look like? I have always been pretty active. For my childhood, 
that was mostly by force. So my older sister was an amazing athlete. And I guess it was just easier since we were pretty close in age to have us involved in the same things. I was good at some things, terrible at most things, but always playing sports, even in high school, even in college, and always had a gym membership, even if I used it infrequently. So even at my very heaviest, I had a gym membership. Honestly, though, my issue was never exercise. It was nutrition, right? It was never that I wasn't moving enough. And I think that's where a lot of people get confused. And I am going to talk about my fitness journey. But first, I want to say Fat loss is 90% nutrition, and there is, or more than that, really. We cannot put exercise, working out more, getting to the gym as a higher priority than we do nutrition. And one real slippery slope is when people link the two so closely, like, I worked out, so it's okay that I have this cupcake or whatever. The cupcake's a totally separate thing. When we link activity and nutrition in terms of we don't deserve a treat because we didn't work out or we can work off the cupcake we had or our workout justifies the cupcake or whatever else it is, it's not logical. It's an excuse in our head, but the reality is your body doesn't work like that. So the better we can be at unlinking these things and not using one to justify or explain away the other, the better off we will be. That's sort of an aside. But back to my own fitness journey, when I decided to get out of the dieting cycle, which was largely like, oh my gosh, I ate like crap, I should go to the gym, or since I went to the gym, I feel better about this cookie, I actually stopped going to the gym when I decided to get out of that dieting cycle and really work to overcome that dieting mindset. And the reason that I stopped going to the gym at the very start was because I wanted to focus on nutrition. Shortly thereafter, though, I did buy a treadmill, not to exercise. But my challenge to myself was If I was normally going to be watching TV at night or on the weekend or sitting down to watch a three-hour football game, I would just walk slowly on the treadmill. And I'm talking super slow, like 1.2. Not because I couldn't walk faster, but because the purpose wasn't to get in a workout or speed walk or even walk at a normal pace, but just to be up and slightly moving instead of sitting on my butt. So that was my challenge. Really, really slow working out or really so walking, sorry, not working out, just movement. And I just did that for maybe 40 or 50 pounds, a few months. I was only focused on nutritional improvements and consistency. Only when I created that nutritional consistency, and this is just me and what I did, only when I was seeing results on a very consistent basis and the nutrition was feeling more deeply ingrained and habitual, only then did I go back into the gym. And I got a trainer and I was working out with him one-on-one, I think for three or four days a week. I can't recall exactly what our schedule was. We'd work out at 5 a.m. And sometimes... Every once in a while, I would run a mile before that workout around 4 a.m., but 
that was the exception, not the rule. My workouts with that trainer, that was not CrossFit, 20 minutes, high intensity, sometimes some boxing work, like with gloves, primarily agility and speed, never heavy weights, but always incorporating weights. So we would do some dumbbell stuff, we would do some barbell stuff, but never working with heavy weights. After that, and I was with him for several months, after that I moved to a CrossFit gym. But I did not want to take CrossFit classes. I did not want to work out with anybody. So I worked out one-on-one with Nathan, my CrossFit coach in North Carolina, and we would only work out when the gym was pretty much empty. I had Nathan on the podcast. If you go to primalpotential.com and search CrossFit, I can't think of the episode number off the top of my head, but if you go to primalpotential.com and search CrossFit, you will find that interview from a couple years ago, or maybe not quite that long ago, with Nathan. I did not want to work out with others, but we worked together CrossFit style workouts, oftentimes the same workout the class would do, but he was working with me one-on-one in an empty gym that was more heavyweights than I had worked with in a long time. I also worked with another coach in North Carolina, more traditional sort of body part, upper, lower splits for a little bit but I didn't love that. I didn't find it fun or challenging. Then when I moved to New England, let's see, about a year and a half ago, I was working out alone, programming my own CrossFit style workouts, but at a regular gym, not at a CrossFit box, and also at home. So I would do maybe half of my workouts at the gym and the other half of my workouts at home. And the only equipment I had at home, I didn't have the treadmill anymore, I had a sandbag, I still have the sandbag, and a kettlebell, and a wall wall. And I would write my own workouts, mixing up heavyweight training, and then some high-intensity intervals, sprints, indoors and outdoors. And then in March of 2017, I moved to a, a different area in Massachusetts to join CrossFit New England. And that was the first time I ever did group workouts. Now I do that five to six days each week. And that is my personal preference. It is a lot of heavy lifting, but it's mixed with high intensity and intervals and short bursts of power and speed and endurance and that sort of thing. Uh, I don't do any traditional cardio workouts. Like I don't go for runs. I don't get on an elliptical machine. That's just me. That's just my preference. Uh, But I certainly do some running sprint style movements within the CrossFit format. So that is my personal journey. The next question was, how much cardio and strength training a week do you recommend? My answer here is 100%. It depends. For somebody who is not yet consistent with nutrition and nutritional improvements, honestly, I recommend no cardio and strength training because nutrition comes first. And when we try to hit two targets at once, nutrition and exercise, we are not bringing our full effort, energy, focus, etc. to whatever the most important thing is. So if you are not consistent with nutrition and you're not working out yet, tackle nutrition first, okay? Beyond that, Assuming you are somebody who is making consistent nutritional improvements, how much cardio or weight training I recommend depends on 
what you can sustain, where your starting point is, and what seems really doable out of the gate. If you're at zero right now and you've been consistent with nutrition, start with one workout per week that's short and do it, focus on it. And when you feel like you've nailed it and you're ready to do more, add in a second. For me personally, I don't split up cardio and strength. They go together. That's very much the CrossFit style. Some days are heavier than others, but all days are getting your heart rate up and blending in some way strength as well as endurance. So cardio and strength training don't have to be separate. They certainly can be. That's not my personal preference. And I talk about the ideal fat loss fitness combination, like fitness tactics that drive fat loss in episodes 35, 125, and 160. So if you want to hear me go deep into fitness for fat loss kind of strategy stuff, 35, episode 35, 35, episode 125, 125, and episode 160, 160. That's a great place to start if you have specific questions. In those episodes, I talk about things like the different kinds of movements and making sure that you're hitting all of them so you're building total body strength and functionality. Push, pull, hinge, squat, right? Those are the four basic kinds of movements. Push could be a push press. It could be a push up, right? It doesn't have to be with weight. It could be body weight movements. Pull, is a pull-up or something like a row. Um, Hinge is going to be like a deadlift. And squat, of course, is pretty self-explanatory. And all of these things can be done with a lot of weight, with a little weight, or with no weight at all, depending on your starting point. The other thing that I talk about in those episodes is the importance of intensity, which is a word that scares a lot of people, but it shouldn't. Number one, fat loss and working out is a game of stimulus response. The greater the stimulus to your body, the greater the response from your body. But the reason I say we don't need to be intimidated by this word intensity is because it is entirely relative. My mom and I can have extremely intense workouts with the same movements, but they will look dramatically different because intensity is relative. If we're talking about, say, kettlebell workouts, she might get a very intense workout with a 15-pound kettlebell because that's relative to her strength, and I might get an intense workout doing the same movements, but maybe with a 55-pound kettlebell, because that's relative to me. So if you have questions, definitely listen to those episodes. Again, they are, let's see here, uh, 160, 125, and 35, okay? The other part of how often you should be working out depends on you and how you are recovering and what is generating results. So somebody who doesn't get a lot of sleep should be exercising less than somebody who is well-rested. Or even for you individually, if you are going through a period where you are not sleeping well or you're doing shift work and you're not sleeping a lot or you have a young baby, you should be working out less than when you are well-rested. 
The other part of, and the same thing is true of nutrition, if you are eating well, you can get away with working out more and recovering more quickly than somebody who is not eating well and isn't there yet. It will take you longer to recover if you're not fueling your body well. And then the other part that determines how often we should be working out is what generates results, right? If you are feeling amazing and getting results working out only once a week, there's nothing wrong with staying there until you want to do more, right? And if you love working out like I do, for me, it helps with my focus, my energy, my mood. Work out every day as long as you are recovering well, not getting injured, and your nutrition remains on point. I personally take one day off in the week, sometimes two, depending on my travel schedule, how my body feels, how motivated I am. You're doing yourself a disservice if your exercising makes you ravenously hungry or totally exhausted or you're chronically injured. That's not smart. So, so much of it depends on you. There is no one-size-fits-all answer to how often or for how long you should be working out. The next question is also related to movement. The question says, earlier today, I was wondering how you'd answer the question of how to fit more movement into the day when I literally sit for about nine hours between work and driving. I'm certain that mindset is a factor because I'm not making myself get up earlier to work out. How can I get out of the sitting on my butt rut? I will first tell you what my personal strategy was when I worked an office job in corporate America before I started Primal. I had a kettlebell in my office. And it wasn't because I expected to stop what I was doing and do a 30-minute workout in the middle of the day. That pretty much never happened, if ever. But we all have those moments when we start to get a little like groggy at work. We want to put our head down, take a nap, go to the vending machine, get a Coke, have a snack. We're just either not focused or we start to get tired or we just want to break. I would grab my kettlebell And I'd do 10 swings or 25 swings or I would do 10 push-ups or whatever. So use those moments when you need a little bit more energy to create energy in in an interesting way. Go to the stairwell and jog or walk up the stairs. The reality about energy is that it's something we create. So use your tired moments in your office job to say, hey, I don't have to be tired. I can get my blood flowing, delivering oxygen and nutrients to my cells by just moving a little bit. So that is one thing when you are at work, all right? The other part of it, though, is because you you brought up, I'm not making myself get up earlier to work out. How do you get out of that rut? That rut? Start super, super, super small, and link it to something you're already doing. For example, decide that every time you brush your teeth, while you're brushing them, you're going to do 10 bodyweight squats. And that's it. Start so much smaller than you know you're capable of just to get in the pattern of incorporating it. Or say, I do 10 push-ups on the bathroom floor before I get into the shower. No matter what, period. Start really, really, really small, whatever that is for you. Right. There's difference between working out and movement and decide that you're just going to get in a little bit more movement, start way smaller than you think you're capable of and do something that makes you feel strong and powerful. For example, sit ups do not make me feel strong and powerful. I'm like, yep, okay, whatever. 
but push-ups do. I feel capable when I'm doing push-ups because it wasn't something I could always do. So if I'm feeling kind of blah or unmotivated or lazy, I can get on the floor and do one push-up or 10 push-ups or whatever it is that is going to fire you up. Start really small and just start doing it. And then you can slowly add on. But the key, I think, is starting way smaller than you think is reasonable. Practice it every day. Choose it. Be intentional about it. And then build on it when you feel ready. Okay, shifting away from the fitness side of things, the next question is, what are your best tips or mindset ideas for when your schedule and life is rapidly changing? Are there strategies to hold on to progress and positive mindset during life upheaval? Yeah, I think this one is totally mindset. So huge and especially timely as we approach the holidays. One of the things I constantly remind myself and my clients like every day is refuse to turn your blessings into burdens. Things are changing. And that can mean and often does mean and can always mean if you choose to see it this way, change means new opportunity, fresh starts, new chances. No matter who you are and what you are going through, positive or negative, you have tremendous blessings in your life. So refuse to be a victim of your circumstances. Refuse to choose that woe is me mindset. Do not create a story in your head about how you are at the mercy of your circumstances. That's just a narrative. It's a story. Focus on all that is good and all that is in your power. And my number one strategy for holding on to a positive mindset when things feel a little crazy is intentional redirection. And in fact, just very recently in episode 405 of the podcast, I talked about three ways to redirect when you are feeling those negative or overwhelmed or stressed out thoughts creep in. The neutral redirect, the empowering redirect, the positive redirect, listen to episode 405, and then choose differently. Refuse to be a victim of your circumstances. Refuse to turn your blessings into burdens, right? The next question is, what do you do when you have been working at this for several years and you've had a lot of success, but now find yourself falling back into old habits? The key for me on this and a lot of work I do with my clients When you feel like you're recognizing a pattern, snap out of that pattern focus, the big picture, the macro, and focus just on today. One option for your perspective is seeing those overarching patterns, and this was the past pattern of success, and this is the current pattern of slipping backwards, and then you feel defeated, right? Very simply ask yourself, today is all there is. What am I able and willing to do today? What is an improvement I am willing to make today? Or how can I make myself proud today? You don't have to make it about setting a big new goal, although if that works for you and gets you fired up, certainly consider it. But bring your perspective out of pattern recognition and disappointment and feeling out of control to just capitalizing on the huge opportunity that is today. Take full advantage of today because it does matter. Instead of continuing to tell yourself a story about your past or trying to solve the whole puzzle, when all you need to do is fit in today's piece. The next question, 
How do you evaluate the nutritional advice of others in an educated way instead of just taking somebody's word for it or blindly following trends and fads? Also, I want to make a career around health and fitness, but I feel the health coach tends to be looked down upon because many people who call themselves health coaches don't have very much training in health or fitness. Does somebody have to become a doctor or nutritionist or physical therapist to make a career out of helping people uh, make healthier decisions? Okay. As far as the first part, how do you evaluate the advice from others instead of blindly following trends? Evaluate advice solely based on how your body responds when you implement it consistently. Because there can be great advice that doesn't work for you and crappy advice that doesn't work for you. But what matters is what happens when you implement it consistently? Do you get results? Do you enjoy it? Can you sustain it? How is your energy? How is your attitude towards it? Are you happy? That's the only way to evaluate how it works for you when you implement it consistently. Your energy, your results, how likely you are to sustain or maintain it, that's all that matters. Nobody else's opinion, but your body is always going to give you feedback. Just make sure you're implementing it consistently before you make a decision. As for the part about a career in health and fitness, first and foremost, I'll just say from my perspective, I don't consider myself a health coach. I'm a teacher. Um... And I agree with you that there are a lot of people out there doing things that maybe they don't have enough information to do. But in the Internet, you know, anybody can put up a website, help people put out a podcast, etc. And and that's just the way it is. And there's a lot of pros to that. And there are certainly some cons to that. Um, A desire does not give you a career. An actual ability to help people create change gives you a career. Right. Does somebody have to be a doctor or a nutritionist or a physical therapist or have a title? No, but that's just my opinion. I do think they need to know their stuff educationally and know it really well and be an expert in something. And reading blogs and listening to podcasts does not make you an expert. Having an opinion does not make you an expert. Now, does it require a degree or a certification? I think it depends on what you want to do. It can certainly help. But there's a lot of people with a lot of degrees and a lot of information that can't help people translate that into action. So it really comes down to what you do with that. More than any kind of certification or degree, I think they need to create success and results most powerfully for themselves so that they can empathize and really understand it from the inside, but not exclusively for themselves, i.e. losing weight does not enable you to coach other people to do the same thing, but have they created results for themselves for other people? Are they good at it? There are many, many different paths, but it has to include more than desire, more than an intention to help people. Are you excellent at what you do? What will it take you to become excellent? I think it requires excellence. Next question. Hey, Elizabeth, I have an issue with procrastination. Really need to nip that in the bud. It's not that I am lazy. It's that I put other things and people first. So as a result, I don't exercise consistently. I don't take the time to meal prep or even cook with the correct ingredients. Plus, I'm the only one in the household that's trying to be careful of what I eat. For specifically this idea of procrastination, which doesn't seem like your issue, it seems like prioritization is the issue we're talking about here. I talk about procrastination in episode 358. So for truly dealing with procrastination, 358, 
But the priority here is the bigger issue. And I think where a lot of people get themselves into trouble is they take care of other people first and then they don't take care of themselves when in reality, so much of our ability to take care of other people stems from how well we are taking care of ourselves. So the reality is you are better at your job. You are a better parent. You are a better spouse when you are taking care of yourself. So that perspective shift is a game changer if you choose to accept it. I think it's absolutely the truth because we have more energy. Our mood is more stable. We are in, I mean, you just name any benefit that comes from impeccable self-care. It has an incredibly positive ripple effect on parenting, on relationships, on career, on focus, on energy, on drive, on mood, on stamina. So if you really want to put other people first, take care of yourself right? Secondly, refuse to choose an approach that isn't working for you. If you are saying this way I'm doing it isn't getting me what I want, then refuse to choose that path. As you find moments where you are putting somebody else ahead of self-care, remind yourself that what you are choosing has a proven track record of failure and refuse to reinforce failing patterns. Every single time you find yourself in that chance, in that opportunity, that's when you can practice. Every single moment is an opportunity to practice. So start training yourself in that way. And lastly, it doesn't matter at all what anybody else eats or doesn't eat in your house or outside of your house. And in fact, the just mere situation you find yourself in that you are the only one in your house that's really trying to, say, eat healthy foods That gives you a huge advantage for the real world because we don't live in bubbles. And so you will be able to sustain your success regardless of all of your friends eating at, you know, the restaurant or when you go to a party and everybody's indulging. If you get every chance to practice that every day in your own home, that's a huge advantage. The next question is about the scale. I don't know if you've ever addressed this or not, but how often would you recommend weighing yourself when fat loss is the goal? It depends. For some people, never. If you get emotionally insane over the scale, don't use the scale. Use measurements and pictures because there are natural fluctuations that come with the scale. It is natural to have a couple to several pounds of fluctuation daily that's from bowel movements, from water retention, from the freaking moon. I don't know. So if you get crazy over the scale... Don't use the scale, use measurements and pictures. But if it doesn't impact your mood or you're willing to do the work to not let it impact your mood, I would say once a week or every other week. And the same is true of of measurements. Once a week at most, every other week um, at, at a max. The next question is both mindset and tactical. How do you know if your weight loss goals are attainable? What role does genetics play? How do you find a balance or know when to just accept your body as it is? I always feel like I could be doing more, eating healthier, losing weight, exercising more, but sometimes I wish I didn't have to keep struggling with it all, and I wonder if I should just accept the fat on my body. Okay, so first and foremost, you don't have to keep struggling with it, right? It comes down to, could I be doing more, and do I want to? Is it worth it? If you say, yeah, I could be doing more, then the reality is 
your body could still improve some, but it's not really about like genetically, can I take this fat off? If you can say, I could be doing more, I could be more consistent, I could be eating cleaner, I could be working out more intensely or whatever else it is, you physically have the capacity to change. But the bigger issue is, do you want to? Are you willing to do what it takes to get more results? What is the trade-off, right? Accepting the fat on your body isn't so much about genetics. It's about the trade-offs you are willing to make. Would you rather have smaller thighs or is it more pleasurable for you to just be a little bit more relaxed and be able to have those occasional indulgences with your family a couple times a week, right? For 99.9% of people who can hear my voice right now, they are physically capable of getting more results, whether that's more muscle, uh, leaner physique, a smaller belly, whatever it is. It's just, what are you willing to trade off to get it? What is the line between what you're willing to do and what you're not willing to do? And it has to be change you can sustain, not like, well, I could do it for a couple of weeks. Because if you're not going to really sustain, not exactly, but to a large degree, then you're probably not going to sustain the result. Uh, The next question is, what do you do for self-care? That is a question to me personally, what I do for self-care. I work out. I sleep. There's a difference to me between physical self-care and mental self-care. So for physical self-care, because I work out so regularly and so intensely, uh, and because strength and becoming a better athlete every day is important to me because it makes me feel happy and strong and positive, because of that, part of my physical self-care is that I see a chiropractor once a week, and I see a massage therapist a couple of times a month, sometimes less than that. Sometimes I only see my massage therapist once a month, but usually it's a couple of times a month. So physical self-care wise, sleep, working out, and then body work, stretching, foam rolling, eating really well. That is part of self-care, no doubt, uh, and my massage therapist. Mental self-care, sleep, 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 sleep. If I'm tired, I go to bed, right? Um, Or I adjust my priorities so that I can make time for that. Because certainly I have times where I'm like, no, 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 stuff needs to get done. I can't go to bed. Look, if my schedule means I can't take care of myself, something's really freaking wrong with my schedule and it needs to change because somebody's going to pay. Either my clients, my family, myself, something has to change. If your schedule does not allow for you to take care of yourself, your schedule needs to change. Not you don't take care of yourself. Your schedule needs to change. Whatever for you makes you feel relaxed and cared for is self-care. Okay, the next question. I struggle with the quantity of food I eat. For the most part, I stick with whole foods and have seen success when I eat a fat loss friendly breakfast. I have been trying to focus on breakfast and journaling. And through my journals, I know I eat way too much, but I hate being hungry. I struggle with understanding what my body is trying to tell me. I think I'm hungry, but it could be that my body knows what time it is and thinks it's lunchtime. I should eat. I have done a few episodes on understanding hunger and reducing hunger and really knowing the difference between I want to eat and my body needs fuel. So I talk about that very specifically in episodes 51, 280, 280, and 137. So if you are feeling like I'm hungry and that's why I'm eating and I don't know how to interpret my body's hunger signals, make a note right now episode 51051, episode 280, 
280 and episode 137. All right, just a couple more questions. Um, one is, what dreams and plans do you have for your business? Do you want to plan or do something beyond health coaching? So again, I don't see myself as a health coach, but I'm not going to tell other people how to see me. That's that's on them. I certainly don't use my energy telling people what I think I am myself. As for what dreams and plans I have for my business, I want to change the wor- the way that you who can hear me right now, I want to change the way that you see health and fat loss. I want to completely eliminate the approach of radical short-term strategies and miserable people trying to take off weight. I want people to stop hitching their happiness to their weight and choosing happiness as the path to health instead of health as the path to happiness. So I am not one of those people that's like, fully embrace yourself as you are and you don't need to change. No, I think it's really honorable to want to be your best self for you, for your enjoyment of life and for the people in your life. But I think that this like, woe is me, victim of my circumstances, I'm miserable, I'm suck, I, you know, I suck, I don't want to do this work, I just want to eat cookies. I want to completely annihilate that perspective of change. As far as what I want to do with Primal, um, I'll write my book. That will happen sometime in the next couple of years. I I will do another Fat Loss Fast Track in January for sure. I'm not sure what will happen after that because I really want to write my book and because I want to work with people that are really, really ready to change, like really, really ready to change. That is so important to me. My primary objective is to continue doing what I love in a way that makes a difference. And that's going to change. And I don't know how it will change year to year. So Primal will definitely change. If I'm not loving it, I'll change course. If it stops making a difference, I'll change course. What I'm most passionate about right now and really, really want to give my energy to in a bigger way is breaking barriers. So breaking barriers is something I developed, I don't know, a couple years ago maybe, And when I did it, I remember saying to somebody, I am more proud of this than anything I've ever put together in my professional life. And I think it's Primal Potential's hidden gem. Like, I don't mention it because I don't know, because it's always there. And the Fat Loss Fast Track opens up only four times a year, as for now. Um, But Breaking Berries is always there. So I don't talk about it or really get excited about it as much as I really feel it in my heart. Uh, But I'm in the process of redesigning my website. And so I was going through Breaking Barriers the other day and I was like, holy crap, I did this? Like, it's amazing. So I want to focus more on those kinds of things, which is really the mental and emotional side of change. I love the nutrition. I love the science. It's really fun for me. But as far as what I get most excited about right now, it would be breaking barriers. Um, the last question is, how to how do I combat a seasonal affective disorder? So basically, that's people that really struggle when the seasons change, especially when it gets cooler um, and darker and the sun's not out and, and that can lead to depression and things like that. Uh, this person says, how do I combat seasonal affective disorder? I always become a bear when the weather and time changes. All I want to do is hibernate. First and foremost, I'm not a medical doctor. I am not a psychiatrist or a psychologist. So anybody with any diagnosis should first and foremost get um, advice and treatment options from a healthcare provider. I will comment, however, on aside from a diagnosis, a tendency to do anything in any set of circumstances. 
what I mean is I always dot, 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 followed by a pattern of behavior that you want to move away from. When you say I always become a bear and I want to do this and I want to do that, and you're describing a behavior you want to change by saying this is what I always do, you're clinging to the problem. As opposed to what am I able and willing to do today that would be an improvement for me? What would make me excited, right? I think the biggest thing, aside from working with a healthcare professional and whatever they recommend as a medical course of treatment for a diagnosed medical condition, aside from that, commit more to the solution than you do to the problem. So many of us spend our time describing the problem, explaining the problem, hemming and hawing over the problem. We are way more attached to the problem than we are to the solution. As I tell my Fat Loss Fast Track clients all the time, give more focus, more thinking, more energy and attention to the solution than you do to the problem. That is my advice on that. I hope you guys have an awesome day. I'll be back in a couple of days with another episode. Have a great one, and I will talk to you very soon. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Primal Potential Podcast, where my goal is not to inform you, but to transform you. And if you would like to receive free motivation and strategy and recipes, workouts, meal ideas every week right to your inbox, just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. It's a great way to get the tools, the strategies, and the practical implementation assistance that you need to create your own transformation between podcast episodes. Just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. See you there. The drive to go further and reach higher. The same thing that inspires you, inspires us. At Strayer University, we're always searching for new ways to make education more affordable. That's why we offer access to up to 10 no-cost gen ed courses to help you save time and money so you can keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. No-cost gen ed's provided by Strayer University affiliates of your learning. Eligibility rules apply. Connect with us for details. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEF.